0: This is episode
1: 33, Do It Scared. Hi, welcome to Beyond the Walls podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Ramika,
0: And I'm Kylie. And yes,
1: we're sisters.
0: We're going to share stories about our life and growing up together and some personal walls we've overcome. We hope you laugh a lot.
1: You honestly might cry a little.
0: But our hope is that maybe you'll be inspired to go beyond the walls in your way too. So grab your coffee or tea and come on in. Today, we are so excited to be able to introduce you guys to somebody very special, to Romika and I. We are having our very first guest on our podcast, and it is our one and only Grams. We so affectionately call her. And when I think of my grandma, I think of someone who is just so courageous and brave. And someone who has had to overcome, like doesn't naturally, you're not the natural adventurer or brave one, mm-hmm. but you have had so many experiences in life that has pushed you to your limit. So it can be more fair to say someone who is fearful, but has never given in to her fear and doesn't allow it to stop her. So we're so excited to be able to get in. And you guys are going to learn a lot of really great nuggets, I think, from the wisdom of our grandma.
1: I think if you guys have resonated with anything that we've shared from our perspective and our life, what I really want you to hear are there are a lot of things that we have picked up, not just from our parents, but it goes back generations. Yeah. And so in this episode, we really want to shine light on what our generational cycle looks like by talking to our grandma and just digging into her life so that you guys can hear. So. We'll start you from, you know, her childhood and walking you through that. And hopefully by the end of it, you'll walk away with some new truths about yourself and maybe some vision for for your families and the way that you show up, which is always our goal. Yeah. So welcome to our podcast, Grams. How are you feeling?
2: I'm feeling honored that you, that I didn't realize that I was your first one to have uh, be interviewed yeah and as as a guest and so that's really great i'm scared to death
0: <laughs> <laughs> way to be brave see right now in your fear, right yes. just leading by example i love it so much so thank um, you for being willing to be brave enough thank to you witness. for having
2: me yeah
1: so we thought we would just start if you could just share what your childhood looked like specifically What were the personalities of your parents, your mom and dad growing up?
2: Okay, um, dad was just a very serious person. Mm -hmm. And um, I always think if I had to describe him with one word was fairness, I feel like he was always very fair. And so in that, I. I, I feel we were always loved, but he was so serious in his life about mm-hmm. working and supporting us. And there wasn't a lot of laughing or playing or mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. we always felt protected and loved. Yeah. And um, I think there's a lot of me in his, in his character. I see a lot of myself in that Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of myself in both mom and dad. Yeah. And um, very uh, steady and very uh, responsible. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, that's the way I think of dad.
1: Yeah, Was there a balance with your parents? Like, was your mom then more lively, less serious, less less so that?
2: Well, I, I think there was serious, seriousness more than playfulness or joy in um, both of them almost mm-hmm. equally. Uh, mm-hmm. I, no, I, I will have to say that mom did have her times when she, fun times. Yeah, Like one thing I think of is like Saturday night in our house was um, music night. Mm-hmm. And all of us two, there were six of us kids and we would uh, sing and uh, they all played instruments, except for the uh, two of us who were younger at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I mean, we had two babies, but the ones who were old enough to be in the music, we, were, we would sing on Saturday nights in our living room. Mom would play the piano, one brother would play uh, uh, the guitar, and another one the mandolin, and another one the uh, bass. And so we would we would have the best time singing mostly uh, hymns, old hymns, Mm -hmm. and um, so that's was I I think that was the fun side of mom. She would take times to do that, yeah. And um, but on the other hand, she had all these children to take care of, and she was a hard worker and. But she was uh, very serious that we would all grow up to love God and always saw that we all got to church on Sunday morning and she would be there with us. But my dad didn't at that time when we were growing up from our young age. Uh, he was not a part of our church life. He didn't go to church. But then later on, um, he became very active in the church but that was after i had married and left home
0: mm. would he join you guys singing on those saturday oh nights? no he
2: would go he would leave the house oh wow now sometimes mm-hmm. he would stay and he and i when he stayed he enjoyed it yeah but he would generally was not home on on uh those nights
0: yeah wow so even that's how serious he was even like there really wasn't fun times you guys really didn't do anything fun together with
2: your dad. No, he he uh, was he was out doing his own thing. I picture him kind of like uh, sitting in a bar with a beer <laughs> <laughs> and just I don't know what he would have been thinking about, but yeah. he was not part of our that. I don't remember him being part of that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Did you view Mimi as adventurous or was she anxious
2: oh very anxious and not adventurous at all never wanted to move to another house or Mm. anything and if we did anything like that that would be on my dad's Mm. part i mean like this was during the depression part of it was during the depression and so we had to move to cleveland because he had to go there to get work and we stayed there for a couple of years Mm -hmm. and you know, she just had a very hard time adjusting to that. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when I was uh, probably around fifteen or s- probably around fifteen, she had a nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. and uh, just because of that, uh, she was just an anxious person. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, she she did what Dad had had to do, whatever he had to do. She was willing to go along with it and do it.
1: I was curious because when you describe your dad and what I know of Gramps, like they seem like complete opposites. Is that true? Like, is there any part of you that intentionally sought something that was completely different or, you know, did you, were you out looking for someone who was like your dad and then you happened to meet Grams? How did you end up meeting Grams, and what attracted you to him?
2: Yeah, um, I think what attracted me to him was um, everything about him that wasn't like my dad. Mm, yeah. <laughs> he was laid back. Uh, he was uh, fun. He was always on, thinking on the positive side. Mm. And um, you know he was a uh, a dreamer who would be sitting with his feet up on the desk, thinking about what great journey we can take next. You know, in our mm. our journey.
1: Mm. So you intentionally sought something that was completely opposite from your dad.
2: I don't think I realized I was doing that, but that's what I did. Yeah. You know, I was attracted to him because of those outgoing uh, and my family was so reserved. I remember the first time Phil ever came knocking on our door to just to visit me right after we met Yeah. and he stayed just a little while and talked and everything. And then he left. I remember my mom coming to me and saying, you know, I kind of think he's just a tough guy. I mean, she was, <laughs> she was worried about him because he, he was, he, big built and had a deep voice and he and he probably was just having a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And and having a lot of fun seemed scary. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> she was
1: very worried. <laughs> yes. She,
2: she was a little bit worried because he wasn't like the rest of us.
1: <laughs> what are we gonna do with this guy? Yeah. Did they ever voice that like because you guys got married pretty quickly? Oh
2: yes. So
1: did they ever voice any concerns about him, or try to like dissuade you from getting married to him? No,
2: really. Um, I think he, I don't know whether it was that way with the other kids so much, but for me, when I made it up my mind that I was going to do something, mm-hmm. I kind of think they just stepped back and let me go for it. I don't know they they never tried to talk me out of marriage or or maybe out of even dating phil or anything and they came to really highly respect him and love him you know
1: yeah
2: Uh, i think they liked him a lot even before we got married yeah Yeah, they they, it didn't take them very long at all to see that oh this is just a fun guy and he's he's a good guy
0: yeah (laughs) wow it's so fun and i think too what's interesting is your dad passed away before we were even born. So Romika and I have never, we never got a chance to meet him,
2: Right, but
0: we did know your mom. We call her Mimi, Um, but she's since passed away. So it is really fun just to hear these stories now, you know, getting to know them even more. And obviously we were very close to Gramps and close to you and knowing you a lot. So it's really neat to be able to hear, you know, just the generations and how you got to the way that you came.
2: Yes. And, and actually, just in in the questions you ask, uh, it helps me see some things that I hadn't thought of before myself. I hadn't really thought too much about that I married somebody who was the opposite of my dad yeah
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's I was attracted to someone like that and didn't even realize yeah, that it was yeah. so different because my parents both were very serious, and our home was kind of a serious place, yeah. I mean, we weren't allowed to laugh at the table. Wow. And no laughing at the table when you're eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of a serious place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's so different. And, I mean, what's cool even with us growing up with Gramps is we got to witness a lot of the crazy places. <laughs> and, like, he really, if there's any way to describe him it really would have been a dreamer or an adventurer. Like that was his life. And I think even with the stories that you shared with us, that was most of your lives together. Like you guys have lived in different countries. You guys have done like found yourself in some precarious situations too. Can you just like walk us through what it would have been like to be married to Gramps?
2: Well, um, he wasn't even when I met him, he came from a church background, mm-hmm. and I, but I came with more of a church in my convictions and belief in God background. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he didn't, uh, they went to church, but he didn't take anything like that seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, after we were married, um, he never refused to go to church with me or anything. So just in that, uh, going along with me in that area of our lives and meeting the wonderful people who became our family because we didn't live near our our relatives. Mm-hmm. and um, and then him becoming a member of the church and beginning to take um, it very seriously, uh, mm-hmm. reading his studying his Bible and just knowing about sharing with other people and things. Um, yeah. He, what was your original question for me? <laughs> Yeah, No, you're
1: okay. <laughs> what would it have been, what did it look like to be married to Graham's?
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, he he became more and more convicted mm-hmm. even than I was about what it meant to be a disciple. Mm-hmm. So together our, our purpose and goal in life became because we were together and we both had this goal and i i started really seeing things more opportunities since i was with him mm-hmm. um we became our purpose was to take the gospel to the world if, if i had to put it in a sentence yeah. to us um what else was there to life other than doing what taking you know sharing the gospel yeah. Uh, And now I look at that and I say, well, that's just loving your neighbor. Mm. And so that's what we did. But he had the vision. He was the one who would sit with his feet up on the desk thinking about what should we do next Mm. in our journey in life. And uh, he would come up with the ideas and uh, opportunities and then I didn't never I never wanted to be the one to squash his dreams, mm-hmm. so I had a conviction that you know a wife is to support her husband, and that's what my mom always did. She supported my dad, yeah, so that came from her
0: yeah
2: and um so I had this that was. Where I was, although I didn't have the adventuresome spirit that he had, but I would, he would come up with the idea, he would present it to me. I would think, uh, this is kind of a crazy idea, I don't think we should do this. Mm -hmm. But then that didn't stop him from sitting down with me and explaining, you know, all the reasons why he felt we should. Mm -hmm. By the time he had done that, then I was completely in there with him and. um excited about it too it seemed like that's the way it went yeah even though i would never have done it without him
0: yeah yeah it sounds interesting you know when you were describing your mom you know because in the beginning you were like you're you are a lot like both your mom and your dad Mm -hmm. but thinking back of how anxious your mom was like just moving across town was just hard more than she could bear
2: right and Mm -hmm. so
0: I think even thinking through that, what would be an example or a time like your first, what was the first crazy dream that grandpa had come up with that kind of like, and was it conscious for you then, or maybe you can see it now, like how much you were not like your mom, like you were clearly not going to give in to that degree of anxiety, although you do have a lot of your own fear and reservation, but it never stopped you or caused that much pain in your life, you know, kind of talk us through what was your internal emotional processing. And maybe the first time the grandpa asked you to do like the first craziest wildest dream he
2: had. Okay, well, um, I'll start with, uh, we were we were married, he was in aeronautics school because he had just gotten out of the military. And that's what he was doing in the military. And so uh, we were married while he was in school. And he uh, when he got out of that, uh, our first job was in Dallas, Texas, with American Airlines. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, he had this idea that we could buy a house. Of course, we thought we were rich because <laughs> we had gone so long with no money to now where we had this big income coming in. Yeah. And so we got this house and uh, had, we're having this house built. Completely furnished it with Ethan Allen furniture. Whoa, <laughs> <Those> <laughs> a little <bougie> <laughs> I roll it. And then, uh, so then there was a big layoff at American Airlines in Dallas, mm-hmm. and they had to just place. They had places for you to go, and we uh, we had the opportunity to go. They needed some people in Detroit which was three hours from where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to Detroit. That's where we started raising our little family in Detroit. Well, then after just a few years in that, he was still very active in that. We got got into a little church family, Mm -hmm. and he was so active in that in teaching classes. And at this point, I was busier trying to take care of children at a very young age. And I was only like uh, 21, 22 Mm. and had two children by then. Mm. And so um, he was working for the airlines and teaching classes at church. And he just became taking on more and more responsibility with that church. And then their preacher moved Well, then they they took on uh, two other ministers uh, consecutively. Well, and they started depending on Phil more and more to kind of fill in places. Mm -hmm. And and he was just studying his Bible just constantly. And one day he came to me and he said, you know, uh, our church was looking for, frantically looking for a man to come and work full time at that church. And he said, uh, and they did start talking to Phil about possibly doing that, mm-hmm. uh, giving up his job and going into full-time ministry. And when he came to me and I thought, oh, I was excited about the idea of him being a full-time minister, but at the same time, I thought, oh, we you know, we have this really good income now, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm not sure you know this church is going to be able to even uh support us because it was a small church yeah and uh I thought you know everybody's kind of taking on a lot here that I wasn't sure was that was all gonna work out but Phil had no qualms about it at all and uh and so you know our dreams were the same
0: yeah
2: and so I said well uh, yeah yeah let's do it yeah i i went along with that so immediately he started talking to everyone who was close to him at the airlines and they and told him what he was going to do and they thought he had absolutely lost his mind so um he started talking to them seriously about the bible yeah and um then he, he he gave up the job uh, the American Airlines job, took on the full-time ministry. And a couple we had been studying with at the airlines came and visited, and they studied, and they became members of the church. And then another couple came, and then another couple came, and then another couple came. And wow. so that year, we had 18 people, which a big clump of them were from the airlines. And that's just his energy. He mm-hmm. was always had that energy to. um, And so that was, a. when you asked the first crazy thing, quitting his airline job and going into full-time ministry, I think would have been the first crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Radically changing your life. Yes. (laughs) I think what's really cool about that story, Grahams, and because when we've talked through looking back on your years, right, and trying to recognize how you've grown in your fear and your trust in the process and trusting Gramps and his crazy adventure, your concern, you just brought up, I don't know if you heard it or not, but you were, your immediate response was like, but what about our livelihood? Right? Like that's just a really big sacrifice. Like it's going to radically change our everyday life. Mm -hmm. And eventually because grandpa brought you along the journey and his passion and his excitement, Your end goal was still worth it, right? Like it it allowed you to just blindly trust, even though you weren't necessarily stoked about it. But then the church just grew, which means God totally advocated for you and provided all that you needed.
2: Yes, uh, for sure. Because um, by that number of people becoming a part of the church that first year, it just Became able to support us in a way that that we needed because it was such a small church, yeah. and um, yeah, God really God cool. totally was taking care, and I think that's it's true. You know, that's Phil. He would not have doubted that that would happen. Yeah, where I was anxious about it. Yeah,
0: and even if you were ang- you were allowed to be anxious about it, it didn't stop yeah. you from moving forward. That's you right. Just- were a little more afraid than grandpa was, but you did it anyway. You did it scared. Yes. And God still came through and provided. Yes. That's really cool.
1: That is interesting because your personalities in your marriage are so different, Mm -hmm. like you have self-described yourself as the more anxious, more hesitant, more just like you're going to stay, you would rather stay back or more restrained. Whereas he is going to dream, he's going to be taking on adventures, he's going to, you know, he's thinking of the next thing. And if it's not this, it's going to be something else. So I'm just curious, how do you, like, what kinds of, what does the conversation look like then to get on the same page? Because... You guys really aren't, like your personalities are complete opposites, but you guys are doing crazy things. You're moving to China, you're moving to Australia, you're adopting kids, you're like all of these things in your life are really big things that are shifting. How do you not spend your whole marriage feeling resentful or bitter or angry at Gramps for showing up the way that he did? And how does or did he ever, do you think, feel like he resented you for being anxious or more reserved or more cautious in the relationship?
2: Yeah, I I never ever had the feeling um, that uh, he would be resentful uh, because we always, in the end, we'd always make the decision together. If I think, you know, even though I was, of the position, you know, that I wasn't going to be the one to discourage this, mm-hmm. if it was a good thing, if he said it was a good thing, I was going to support him in it. Even with that, I knew that uh, if I did have to just do that, which I, I never seemed to, that never seemed to happen, mm-hmm. but that he would have just said, okay, we'll do something else. And he would have been on to the next thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so You know, like uh, I think every journey we went on, we saw that God provided and you could look back and see exactly what God planned in all of that. And that just totally gave us more and increased me, especially uh, increased my ability to have more confidence in what we were going to take on the next time.
1: Yeah. So you never felt better
2: or angry with him. No, I, because he would always be um, able to help me see why he felt this was a good thing to do. And then in the end, I would be excited about it too, just like, uh, you know, a few years after we're into this uh, full-time ministry, an opportunity came up and there was a need in Sydney, Australia. and. That he had read about in a church paper, and then uh, he was able to transfer that excitement about that to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back on it now, I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, we took our children out of the country, away from their grandparents," and you know, I think now um, helped us come to that decision. Yeah. And but it was back again; it was to that. Well, there's a need over there. And, and also, it's exciting to think about going to Australia. It was exciting. Mm-hmm. I think it was worse in some ways when I we got there and became so homesick yeah. because we were so far away. And we knew back then you didn't, it was different back then because you didn't uh, just, hop on a, phone, uh, on a plane and come home for a visit. Yeah. Uh, you didn't even make a phone call because it cost uh, $60 a minute to make a phone call from Australia home.
0: $60 a oh. minute? Yes.
2: Wow. And when my, uh, when our um, daughter-in-law died, I didn't get a phone call. I got a telegram
0: wow. <laughs>
2: telling us that she had died. I mean, that, you just- wow. I I think I only had one phone call home the whole time we were over there. So I don't think I realized all of that before we went. Yeah. And it was hard.
1: If you did know those things before you went, would you have gone? Probably. You still would. I I would
2: have gone, Mm. yeah. Why do you say that,
1: like, so Um, confidently?
2: Because I wouldn't be able to live with myself if we didn't do it's something that Phil had a dream to do. And, but then it became my dream too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't go to Australia without a dream for Australia Mm -hmm. and what we could do there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I think just that he was, he helped me see that we could do it. And there again, I was kind of leaning on his support to do that. And, and when we, When we finally decide to do it, we're both very excited about it.
1: Yeah.
2: And being just as excited as Phil was about it. Wow. I think if I didn't reach that point, we wouldn't have gone. Yeah. And there would be no resentment on Phil's part at all. Or on yours. I might just be feeling a little bit guilty because I feel like I kept us from doing something good. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think that you bring up a really great point that I think I've really wrestled with in my years of, because what I heard you share was a lot of personal responsibility, right? Like you, you really wanted, you worked towards supporting his dream, but you didn't go and completely buy in until it was your dream too.
2: That's true. I
0: think that's a really important factor when, when in a relationship and doing things together. Yes. Because if you went to Australia and it was just his dream, you're just supporting his dream. Yes. And then you get there, and then it's so hard. Like that's where resentment lives. Yes. She took personal ownership and responsibility for her life. You were now a part of a dream. I needed that early on. Right. Like there were so many times where I was just doing this for somebody else. Yeah, It didn't become my dream too. And it's, I think that's a really important key.
2: Yes. I, I saw that happen actually with one other couple that went to Australia the same time we did, Mm -hmm. and she just did not want to go. Mm -hmm. And she, they were there for three years and she just could not wait mm. to go to come back to the states.
1: Yeah.
2: And in in that the mm. Australians picked up on that and they never kind of really felt connected with her. Yeah. And even though I think we all enjoyed each other. We yeah. didn't have a problem over it. But you always knew that just did not want to be there.
0: Yeah.
2: And I remember just as they were ready to come uh, to think about leaving Australia, she told her husband, I don't care where we go next, as long as it's in Texas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where they went to then. <laughs> that's
1: A-Way. That was A-Way. <laughs> wow i love when you share about graham's like encouraging you one of his taglines one of his like common phrases that he would encourage you with He'd just be like oh come on pat
2: yes you know, <laughs> yeah oh it, it'll be fine
1: <laughs> just to get you on the same page like yeah. he knew you could be excited he knew you could dream too yes and i think that that's probably the coolest part of like the dynamic that I hear when you talk about your marriage is that you guys really dream together.
2: Yes, we did. We, we uh, in fact, someone told us one time that, uh, we just did too much talking with each other
0: <laughs> wow.
2: and i think that's what it was always Phil trying to talk me into the next
0: <laughs> journey it's probably your mom did your mom say that
2: to you <laughs> i don't remember who it was but it could have been i wonder how
0: afraid she was did she ever talk about how afraid she was for all the places you were uh-huh. going
2: yes she never was happy about us making any of our journeys because wow. she was apprehensive as to but you know she i had to remember she was from a different generation and you just didn't pick up and move all over the world to other you know going to another country all of it was right oh my goodness that's something that not many people that she ever personally knew did
0: yeah so if you didn't have that probably emotional connection with Gramps, yeah would have made it even harder because there was a part of you that wanted to believe that right like let's keep it small and that sounds really crazy and you might be a little fearful to go do these adventurous things then you've got your mom in your ear telling you how scary and ridiculous it is and you should (laughs) not go you know like i think without having you and grants working together to be on the journey together and then you making it your dream you would have always been in that victim space Mm -hmm. of like who am i gonna listen to my mom or my husband
2: yes and that's
0: never a fun space to be picking and choosing no right or then you feel like you're who are you being loyal to or who am i respecting or who am i yes you know honoring here but between your vision and your conviction of what god was calling you to do Mm -hmm. and then you being able to really make it your dream yeah probably created a lot of freedom and mutual respect and trust between you and grandpa to know that you both were gonna be both in it full-time and doing it together.
2: Yeah. How
1: would you respond to your mom's reasons for not going?
2: They made me feel resentful that she wouldn't be, and and this was really expecting too much of her when I look back on it, Mm -hmm. but I would be resentful in her discouraging us Mm -hmm. You know and i think that probably part of that is that i was trying to convince myself mm-hmm. and she was putting you know by what by not being in with it thinking it's a good thing yeah it, it made me even more apprehensive and then i resented her for that
0: yeah like mm-hmm. you had to work twice as hard yes. to get on board
2: yeah would yeah. you
1: knowing what you know now like seeing that that was your dynamic with her how would you respond to her reasons at this stage? I, of well, life? now I
2: can understand her reasons better because we were taking her grandchildren away from her for one thing, mm-hmm. and she and she wasn't sure about what was gonna happen to her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And I can realize now, having grandchildren myself, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, that uh, that was a big, big thing, but I don't think I realized that at that time. Yeah. So uh, looking back, you know, I would wish that I could have been more understanding. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could have helped her uh, feel more confident in mm-hmm. our going. Yeah. And at least help her realize that we were going to miss them too. And, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, we it was not that we wanted to be away from them. Yeah. But uh, I, I think I could have looked at it from a different perspective for sure mm-hmm. if I if I wasn't so young.
1: When I hear you share that, like who you would have shown up as now or today, sounds a lot like who Gramps was able to be for you. Like you would have Mm -hmm. today, the person you described that would have communicated with your mom would have been very similar to how Gramps communicated with you. He brought you on the journey. Yes. He was able to get like speak to your concerns and whatever was causing you any kind of anxiety about the decision, he was able to speak to that yes. in that moment with compassion and understanding. And that sounds like what you just shared yes. you would have done for your mom.
2: Yes, I wish I could have done that when I think back, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Oh, done that. Well,
1: you really can only show up with what you have. So you had done all of the work to convince yourself and buy into a dream that wasn't you at first, but then became something that you believed in. And so that's all you had. You did bring to the table 100% of what you had the capacity to do. And I think that kind of speaks to... A moment that I had with Gramps before he passed away. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor and I remember me and one of the cousins, we drove to Grand Rapids. You guys were leading a church there at the time and he was going through treatment and it was like my turn to go in and talk to him. Like we just knew it probably wasn't going to end well. And so it was just time for me and him to just talk and spend time together. And so I remember like towards the end of our conversation, um, I wasn't adopted yet. I hadn't moved to Fort Wayne. Um, And so I was just really entwined with the family. Like we acted as though I was always a part of the family, but it wasn't official yet, at least not legally. And in that conversation that I was having with Grams, he just looked at me and he was like, I just want you to know that I've always considered you one of my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And for me, like that was a significant moment. And it really does kind of encompass who he was for you and for the world. Like he really dreamed yes. for generations mm-hmm. from now, mm-hmm. the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I always look back on that moment and I'll carry that for the rest of my life. So I just wanted to ask you, what's your experience? Like, what is your life like now without Gramps in it?
2: Yeah, this has been so good for me because uh, it's, it's just bringing back so many memories. Uh, just to go through this, mm-hmm. and I'm completely aware that he was such a support for me. I, looking back, I realized that there was something void in my relationship with God mm-hmm. because. I, I, he was, uh, Phil was kind of my security blanket, completely, you know, like to wear. Um, That's, I got my strength there. And I didn't realize that so much until he had died. Then all of a sudden, I think I suffered so much grief. I felt just not knowing uh, if if I could make it. Mm -hmm. And so we had this... uh, I, I moved immediately when he died to Fort Wayne, where Tim and Wendy, um, your parents were mm-hmm. living, working with the church there. And I moved into a villa that I was living on my own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and with it happening immediately, it's kind of hard to make that adjustment that quickly. Yeah. And I think that makes it much harder, but I, uh, I brought my furniture there and there was this blue chair, living room chair that uh, Phil sat in a lot uh, before he died. And, and that's where we would have conversation in the living room. We would be talking and he would be sitting in that chair talking. And, uh, and so I found myself just like at times just sitting there in the living room, talking mm-hmm. to Phil as though he was in that chair and uh, trying to talk through things, you know, so that I could get through things. Yeah. And um, one day it, and this was after maybe, I started be, a, being able to follow my own dreams yeah. and not be so scared. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you do become one. And so you, it is like losing your right arm or yeah. uh, when you lose your spouse. And so, you know, a lot of that is normal, but I just think, you know, with us always being, having uh, dreams together and and journeys together like that and so entwined in what each other was doing in our journey, I think it made it doubly hard for me going through that uh, period of time, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Now I I feel like my faith, you know, I I just depend on God so much more than I ever did before. When I look back with Phil and I, what we did a lot in our mornings with our coffee time and talking about you know how things were going and what we're going to, what we're going to do next. So um, yeah, it's it's just that um, I I feel like you know God always pulls you through whatever you're going through. And if I lost my right arm, then now God's my right arm yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where I am. And my faith is so much stronger. So it's kind of like Phil always said, you know, and it's true when looking back, you always see the good that comes from what you're doing. You can see God's plan. Like we read about in Jeremiah twelve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he has a plan for us, and we—I I believe that even though Phil was seeing the plan first, and then helping me see the plan, and now I may see a plan, but God's the one who's helping me see it first. Yeah. And uh, so you know, it's—it's—it has a good ending. Yeah. No matter how bad. Uh, it was at the time.
0: I think it's so inspiring to look at how God has prepared you for now. hmm And even using Gramps in his character and his strengths and just the way that he was mm-hmm. to have been for you what you needed in that time, right? Like God provided you. Yes. What you needed in Gramps yeah. to be able to yeah. be all things that mm-hmm. God knew you could be. Mm-hmm. And providing, you know, even if you, you could still be obedient and still be loved and still be provided for, even if you did it scared.
2: Yeah.
0: It doesn't have to be brave and perfect Mm -hmm. to be pleasing, right? Like you can still be obedient, scared, and you can still trust, scared, and you can still try new things, scared. Yes. And... I think that is just what I love most about you and the example that you have led. That, and you have done that this whole time in being able to wrestle, to still come to that point, to just still choose in the end to just do it scared.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to put it, doing it scared. Yeah. Because I feel like I live, I've lived my life doing it scared for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's so easy. We all like it's so easy for us to give up and just not do it because we're scared. Yes.
2: Right. I think
0: being able to, especially in these last few years without grandpa, to still be willing, then it's been able to be so much more obvious that God had to really, he always had been there this whole time Mm -hmm. providing for you. Mm -hmm. And he's got your
1: back even, even more now.
2: Yes. Yes, for sure.
1: I think we always tell stories as though they're very black and white and very linear, right? Like even in the way that you've shared your story, like how you would describe yourself and in your marriage, you were the more cautious one. You were the lesser of the two who were willing to be courageous. You were the less brave one. Hmm. And I think that's kind of how I hear people describe those words, right? Like in order to show up as courageous, in order to show up as brave, then it almost how we describe it begs you to like not feel anxious or not want to be cautious Mm -hmm. or not be hesitant about anything. And if there is, I think your entire story flips it on the head. I think this whole time you've been courageous. Mm -hmm. I think this whole time you've been brave. I think that's who you have always been in the marriage. And I would actually even take it one step further that between the two of you, I think you were the most brave, the most adventurous, the most courageous because he was gonna do those things if he never got married to you. Right? like Not necessarily that he would do them in the same way. Like Mm -hmm. I think you were able to be a great support for him. And I think you helped like refine his dreams. But I think he was a natural dreamer. I think he was always meant to do big things in his life and he just wasn't as scared about doing them. Yes. But to have somebody who did have reservations and grow up with a family that did keep it small, play it small, and had so many reasons to do so, you had to overcome that to even show up in your marriage, let alone be confronted with an adventure or a dream. And so then you made the dream your own. Right. Like he presented you with this crazy idea all the time. You guys have been in situations where there were shootings that were happening. Like you've been in countries that really they were anti-Christian countries. And so you guys walked right in those. I mean, all of your stories, they really are crazy. (laughs) And he presented them to you and then they became your own. You adopted them and it became your dream, too. Not only that, but when people confronted you with their own reasons for why you shouldn't do it, you still stuck to your guns and you were like, I'm gonna do it anyway, Mm -hmm. and you went. That's what's crazy to me, is you went. I don't think that courage or bravery exists if you don't feel any kind of reservation or caution. Mm -hmm. I think it exists because you do. Yeah.
0: Thank you for joining us today.
1: We'd love to work with you. If you're looking for additional coaching from us, you can log on to our website at beyondthewallspodcast.com and look at our membership for more information. Until next time. Bye.